Well, hallelujah. Isn't it fun to be singing Christmas songs again and thinking about the wonder of Advent? That's what we're going to be doing in the weeks ahead as we consider our days moving toward Christmas. If you would, open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. And in your bulletin, it says that uh, Eric is going to be preaching today, and I'm not Eric Tonis, despite what some people think from time to time. I remember when I was in Kenya, and I was in a very remote place on a hiking trail and passed a former student on that trail, and we both had Biola stuff on. And she said, I know who you are, Dr. Tonis. And I said, uh, negatory, that's not me. Well, I had you for Old Testament. Yes, you did. So even though some people might confuse us, it's been something that we've just laughed about throughout the years, the number of times that that happens. But he's not able to preach. You might see him around um, here this morning. I don't think Eric's in here right now, is he? But he might be here today. But he had a a death of a sister unexpectedly happen. His uh, parents adopted, um, I think, a couple of uh, children many years ago. And his sister died unexpectedly. And so... We want to pray for Eric as he's grieving the loss of his sister, as well as just to pray for him that he could be a minister to his family. He's trying to work out a lot of details right now. He needs to get to Florida um, to be a part of being with the family there. And so we want to pray for him. It was fortunate that I was going to be preaching in the Gracia this morning. And so I just needed to take a smaller sermon and make it bigger and could step in for him. But let's even even pause right now to pray for him. But as we do, um, I'm also mindful that uh, we're talking about what's going on in Eric's life. All of you bring something in here today. Uh, You're wrestling with something. You could be up against difficulty. You know, you may think, wow, it's not nothing to compare to Eric, or maybe it's even more. Uh, This is not a comparison game. We're a needy people. And that's why we gather here today, because we need Jesus. And so I want to pray for him, but I want to pray for us too. We're going to be opening up God's Word, and we want His Word to minister to us. So let's pray together. Lord, we do praise You. You alone are life. You alone are our hope. You alone are our salvation. And we put all of our eggs in Your basket, Lord. If we don't have You, we have nothing. So Lord, we come before You today, and we want to pray especially for Eric We pray that you would comfort him in this time. We pray that you would um, help him as he seeks to minister to his family. Uh, God, you are the God of all comfort. And so we know that you can bring that to him. And you are also the one who empowers him and enables him to, to be a minister of the gospel. And I pray that you would bring both that comfort and that power to be a minister to his family in this time, helping with all the details that they're trying to work out. Uh, Lord, that you would um, give him much success in plans and flights. And Lord, we just want to ask that you would go before him and be with him. And Lord, for all of us, no doubt, we all bring something in today. We live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world that fights against us and As we read earlier, as all creation groans, we ourselves groan, Lord, and we need you today. And so we ask that as we open up your word this morning, that you would make it alive and powerful and that it would work its way into our hearts. 
Lord, strengthen our hope. Strengthen our relationship with you today. Give us a perspective on life that, that helps us walk out of here with joy and purpose and a new sense of strength that we need. We want to give this time to you even as we give our lives to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in the first few verses, first 18 verses to be exact, of, first, of John chapter 1 in the weeks ahead. This gospel is different than the other gospels. We're just getting done with one gospel. That was the gospel of Mark. But this gospel is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke in that it focuses on the last three years of Jesus' life. His, the purpose of this gospel is very clearly given to us by John in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, talking about the things that he compiles in this book, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John has a very clear purpose, but this book is not just for unbelievers who need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believers must keep on believing, and therefore we need John's message as well. And John, a couple times, many, in fact, many places throughout this book, he talks about the fact that we need to be abiding in Jesus. Think about John 15, abiding in the vine. We need to be abiding in. We need to continue on in belief is the point that John is making. So as he writes this gospel, he is writing both to awaken faith in those who do not believe and to sustain faith in those who do. And so as we come before John 1, 1 through 18, this is either to awaken faith in you, depending on where you are with Jesus, or to sustain faith in you. John 1, 1 through 18 is the prologue to this gospel. It introduces all that John wants to say. And specifically in these verses, it introduces to us the Word and provides with a summary for how the Word, who is Jesus, was with God in the beginning, but came into this world to become Jesus so that God might make a way for people, you and me, to be in relationship with him. That's the rest of the book that's going to expand that and show us how God has made a way for us to be in Christ. 18 amazing verses for us to ponder in the days ahead. And so we're going to be looking at these verses for five weeks. It's, we call it our Advent series. We do it every year. And so in, um, this morning, I'm going to focus on the first three verses of John 1. The Word creates us. That's going to be our focus. Next week, I think it's Eric Twisselman. Is Eric over here? Is that you next week, Eric Twisselman? The Word gives us light and life, and he'll be taking us through verses 4 through 9. And then we'll go through verses 10 through 13. The word confronts us and divides us. And then verses 14 and 15, the word incarnates God for us. And then we'll finish with week five, verses 16 through 18. Above all, the word supremely reveals God 
to us. That's our Advent series, and we want to use this time to really encourage our hearts and our walk with the Lord. We also hope that you use it as a time to invite people to be a part of what's going on at Grace. As we look at Jesus in particular, we've got a number of special events, the Advent event, we've got also our Christmas Eve service and other times where you can invite people in. And we have some Gospel of John's on your way out the back door. You can see them on tables beside the door. You can use these if you want to to just invite people about to read this gospel and to let them know right here at the very beginning, we're going to be looking through these particular verses. And there's a card on the inside that explains to them all that's going to be going on at Grace in the days ahead with the, the Advent event, the concerts, the Christmas Eve service. So feel free to pick one of those up and we ask that you actually give it to someone and invite them. Actually put words to your action and may the Lord use this to bring many to come to know him during this Advent season. Well, this past week, also the Randalls had a new birth. Do we have that picture of the baby up here? Jackson and Ray Lynn, this is Henry Walls Randall. Now you can see that they're raising this child properly. That's an Alabama Crimson Tide outfit on that. You know, football season hasn't ended for everyone yet, Jim. The tide continues to roll and Jackson and Ray Lynn who love Jesus are obviously going to raise their child in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So they've clothed him appropriately in this. But if you were to encounter Jackson and Ray Lynn, you'd probably see him around here somewhere today. And you were to say, how are you doing? What do you think they would say? Tired. Exactly. They would say we're tired. Because all of a sudden, all of this freedom that they knew, we can go here, we can go there. Now, all of a sudden, their life is wrapped around this little child, consuming their energy, their time, their focus. This child can't eat by himself, can't dress himself, doesn't know how to get himself warmer or to take clothes off to get himself cooler. He requires all of their time. You think about a little baby like this and Words like, you know, small and helpless and dependent might cross our mind as we think about an infant like that. Well, in Advent, we're celebrating infant Jesus, baby Jesus in a manger. And at one point in time, Jesus was an infant like Henry here, small and helpless and dependent. But John in his gospel wants to make something really clear to all of us. Even though baby Jesus might have looked very similar to little, Rand, little Henry here, we need to know that this infant who was lying in a manger was way more than a helpless babe. And John wants to blow our minds with who this Jesus is. And so that's what we're going to be focused on in our time together. And today, it's going to be verses 1 through 3. So let me read verses 1 through 3 for us. And then we'll think about what it is that John wants to teach us. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now in these verses, John repeats a, a lot of what he's trying to say. He says it over and over so that we get the point. The points that he wants to make are fairly simple. What does John teach us about the word 
here in verses one through three. Our main point is the word creates us. You and me were created by the word. But I want us to look at four aspects of the word here that we have in these verses. I want us to, first of all, look at his existence. And then I want us to consider his name. And then I want us to look at his identity. And then we want to finish up with his work. All of that in these three verses. So let's begin with his existence. We're just going to break this passage down. His existence right here in verse 1, but also in verse 2. Look at the words in the beginning. Now you'll look down at verse 2. You see the same thing in the beginning. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word. Verse 2, he was in the beginning. And so this is his existence. This is what we want to consider for just a moment. John wants to make this point very clear because all of this is going to lead him to verse 3 where we look at this one being the creator of the world. Now, let's go back to these words, in the beginning. If you are a student of the Bible, your mind immediately might be thrown back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here, John, in the beginning, back there at that time was the word. That baby in the manger was even at that time, back there in the beginning. You see, Mark's gospel, which we just went through, begins with Old Testament quotations that, have, that point to John the Baptist. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist is there. But John the Baptist is there for a reason, to announce one who is coming. So he announces the one who's coming, and then Jesus is there. And we have all this fulfillment of Old Testament quotations. Matthew and Mark take similar approaches in the way they begin their stories, in their birth narratives. They all fulfill these Old Testament prophecies. So Old Testament prophecies are sprinkled throughout their gospels as well. But in their gospels, we have manger scenes and wise men and shepherds watching over their flock. We've got a star and we've got angels, everything that Advent season is made of. But in John's gospel, not only is his gospel the only one that focuses on the last three years of Jesus' life, John goes back further than the beginning of his ministry like Mark does. He goes back further than the virgin birth like Matthew and Luke might. He goes even further back than creation. He goes back to eternity. That's Jesus' existence. And from there, in the beginning, he's going to move to John the Baptist But he wants to go back to eternity to make it clear who Jesus is. Everything that he writes in his gospel is to be understood in light of the points that he's making here. In fact, everything that we understand about baby Jesus is to be understood in light of these words. This is who Jesus is. And I've entitled the message a mind-blowing reality because this ought to blow our minds. The baby in a manger, the one who eventually John's going to say in chapter 15, lays down his life for us. This one is in fact creator of all. He goes back to eternity. And so John begins his gospel by locating Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, fulfillment of all these Old Testament promises, the Son of God in relation to time, namely before time. And this becomes the, the subject of doxologies throughout the, Old, throughout the New Testament. Look at Jude chapter 1, or you can just listen to me. Jude chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That's who Jesus is. We could also go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 9. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy, talking about Jesus who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. He's the word in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Blessed be this one who comes in a manger. I love also Colossians 1 in verses 16 through 19. Begins in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, that's the word, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's the head of the church, of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's who this Jesus is. And John wants to start right from the very beginning and say, the one whom we worship, this baby in a manger existed in eternity past. I love the way A.W. Tozer tries to climb into this and help us understand in his chapter on the eternity of God. Listen to what he says. He says, Moses, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, said Moses in the spirit. From the vanishing point to the vanishing point would be another way to say it quite in keeping with the words as Moses used them. The mind looks backward in time till the dim past vanishes, then turns and looks into the future till thought and imagination collapse from exhaustion. And God is at both points unaffected by either. He goes on and he says, because God lives in an everlasting now, he has no past and no future. When time words occur in the scriptures, they refer to our time, not his. When the four living creatures before the throne cried day and night, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, which was and is and is to come. They are identifying God with the flow of creature life with its familiar three tenses, was, is, is to come. And this is right and good for God has sovereignly willed so to identify himself. But God, since God is uncreated, he is not himself affected by that succession of consecutive changes we call time. God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He's already lived all of our tomorrows as he has lived all of our yesterdays. He goes on and says this, that God appears at time's beginning is not too difficult to comprehend, but that he appears at the beginning and the end of time simultaneously is not easy to grasp, yet it is true. Everything is in the presence of God. 
Time is known to us by a succession of events. It is the way we account for consecutive changes in the universe. Changes take place not all at once, but in succession, one after the other. And it is relation of after to before that gives us our idea of time. We wait for the sun to move from the east to the west or for the hour hand to move around the face of the clock. But God is not compelled so to wait. For him, everything that will happen has already happened. That, this is why God can say, I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, he sees the end in the beginning in one view. Now wrap your minds around that. That's way too much for us. This is more than we can comprehend. This is more than our little finite pathetically little minds, which are amazing, can even begin to grasp his existence. Before there was any time or any matter, there was the word. John wants you to get that right from the very beginning. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, this is baby Jesus, the one who created you. And our only response is, wow. That's his existence in the beginning. But let's look further at his name. Notice what it goes on and says. In the beginning, that's his existence, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now he's gonna go on in in verse two. Again, let's just take out the words in the beginning. He was with God. So again, John repeats this twice to make it very clear to us Um, this identity of this person. And I want us to think about both of these aspects. The word was God and the word was with God. And I want us to begin with the end of verse one first. The word was God. Thinking about his identity. The word who we see in verse 14 becomes flesh and dwells among us. And we can behold his glory. That word, that word who dwells among us Jesus Christ was and is God. And so we at Grace, we need to be bold and make it loud and clear and proclaim to everyone in La Mirada, to everyone into whom our lives come into contact, that we worship Jesus Christ as God. That's who he is. The word was God. And so if we were to work our way through John and we would eventually get to John chapter 20, verse 28, where Thomas, doubting Thomas, finally sees and believes and he confesses with joy and wonder, my Lord and my God, we rejoice with him because that's who Jesus is. And John wants to make it very clear right from the beginning If we were to continue to work our way through John and get to John chapter 10, verse 33, and hear the Jewish leaders cry out, they say, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Now notice what they go on and say. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. If we were to continue to work our way through John and get to that point of the passage, it would behoove us to cry out, no, this is not blasphemy. This is who he is. He's not just man. Because in the beginning, the word 
was God and the Word was with God. This is who we worship. He's our Savior, our Lord, and our God. This baby in the manger, the one we celebrate this Advent, is God. The Word was with God. But notice what it also says. Let's back up to the middle of verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This concept of being with God. He was God, and He was with God. Now we have a concept of the Trinity that's forming in our mind. This one was God, is God. And this one was with God, both at the same time. We've got to let this sink into our heart. The Word, Jesus Christ, was with God and He was God. He is God and He has a relationship with God. He is God and He is the image of God, perfectly reflecting God and standing forth from all of eternity as the fullness of deity in a distinct person. There's one divine essence with three persons. And two are mentioned here. In the beginning was the Word. John is later going to identify the Word as the Son. And the Word was with God. John is later going to identify God as the Father. Later on, he's also going to introduce the Holy Spirit. We've got three in one. We've got to let this sink into our hearts. This is too much for us. We cry out like Paul does, In 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 9, where he says, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. In verse 12, he goes on and says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, then we're going to see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. This is a mystery to us. How can this one be God and be with God? How can we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We cannot get our minds wrapped around this. But we must understand that baby in a major was acting out the eternal plan of God as the Son became flesh. We can't throw that away. If Jesus is not God, he could not accomplish our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 10, in verses 14 through 17, we see this so clearly. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, for it was fitting that he, talking about Jesus, the word, from whom and by whom all things exist. He's our creator, the eternal one who created us. That's who we're talking about. Now go down to verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, the word, the one that is for whom and by all things exist, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Notice this, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Philippians 2 talks about the one who was God 
who thought it not something to be held on to and grasped, but made himself lowly, brought himself down so that he might be the one who dies even death on a cross. Why? As Hebrews 2 says, to make propitiation for sins. This is who Jesus is. He not only finds his existence in eternity past, we also see his name is the word and his identity is that he is God and he is with God. This incredible trinity. This is good news. When we approach the gospel and we get into the life of Jesus and we see that baby in a manger, he is God. And we rejoice This is good news. This is the gospel. Again, we step back and we say, wow, this is amazing what God has done. His existence, his name, his identity. But we also want to see his work. And so we continue on in verse three. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And once again, we see John repeating things to make it absolutely clear what's going on. The Word was God's agent in the creation of all that existed. And he says it in a positive way as well as a negative way, just to make it clear. Positively, all things were made through him. Now, he's going to insert the word not. And without him was not anything made that was made. This is absolutely true. There is nothing in existence that exists apart from the work of the one we call word, that baby in a manger. If a Muslim or a Jehovah Witness or anyone was to say, Jesus was not God and was not eternal, but rather Jesus was created. He was the first of creation, the highest of high angels. John has written verse three precisely in a way that makes that impossible. He did not just say all things were made through him. You might think that's enough to settle it. He's not a creature. He created creatures. But someone could conceivably say, yes, but all things does not include himself. He's still the firstborn. It includes everything but himself. So he was created by the Father. But then with the Father created all other things. But John did not leave it at that. He said, in addition, the last part of verse 3, and without him was not anything made that was made. What do the final words, that was made, add to the meaning of with him was not anything made? These words make it explicit. These words make it emphatic. These words make it crystal clear that anything in the category of made, Christ made it. Anything that's in the category of made, Christ made it. And since he's the one who made it, he himself is not in that category. He is God. He is eternal. Therefore, Christ was not made Before you exist, you can't bring yourself into being. John is making it very clear from the very beginning about who Jesus is and his identity. We already looked at it in Colossians chapter 1. But again, in verses 16 and 17, he makes it so clear. For by him who the word, all things were created in heaven, on earth, 
visible, indivis- invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, or, 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 or. There is not anything that was made that was not made by Jesus. Again, in Hebrews 1, chapter 2, I read this earlier as well. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. This is who Jesus is. Everything was created by him. He is the one who made the world. There was not anything made that was not made by him. The word who we're going to find again in verse 14 becomes flesh and dwells among us. The one who teaches throughout this gospel, who heals throughout this gospel, who rebukes throughout this gospel, who protects throughout this gospel, who loves throughout this gospel, who died in this gospel. And he does all of this for us as well. This one created the universe. And we've got to retain that, the mystery of the Trinity in verse one, because not only is he the creator, but it was through him. He's also this agent through whom all the world was created. Again, we see God at work, father and son in creation. It's a mystery. It blows our minds, but that's who Jesus is this one who was in a manger. He's the one who created us, created the world. He's your savior. He's your Lord. He's your friend. That baby in a manger, he's the creator. And again, it just blows our minds to think about this. You see, this is what we want to find ourselves working through in these weeks ahead as we work our way through Advent. And we've got to begin right here at the very beginning. The Word, this one in the manger, this one we worship, the one who eventually we call Jesus, created us. Christ was not made. He's your creator. And we are witnessing as we open up this book and open up this chapter and begin working our way through these verses, the incredible, eternal, and glorious plan of our Father to redeem us. So that this one becomes flesh to be the propitiation for your sins and for mine. What do we do with these first three verses? No matter what you bring in here today, and that's how we began our time today. We're all up against something. We're all wrestling against something. God is at work in us. God wants to work through you. But we all got stuff that we're up against no matter what it is that you bring in here today, more than anything else, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. He's not just a babe in a manger. He is your creator and he will sustain you as well. He's all glorious. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. We know that every week we have people who walk through these doors and come in and worship with us who have never profess Jesus as Savior. They have never come to a place where they see their desperate need for Jesus and they ask Jesus to be their Savior, forgive them of their sins. They claim his free gift of his death, burial, and resurrection where, God, where he died for us on that cross. Our, God's wrath was poured out on him in our place and we receive that gift and become a follower of Christ. We know that every week we have people who come to these doors who have never made that profession of faith. Let today be the day. Let today be the day. 
Whatever you are up against, whatever struggles you have in your life, you need to go to the one who created you. The one who sits on his throne in the heavens over all of the earth and is in control sovereignly of what's going on in this world. Your creator is the one you need in your moment of desperation, in your moment of disappointment, in your moment of difficulty. But not only that, for all of us who believe, we need Jesus. Every day of our lives, we need Jesus. Jesus is not someone who we just enter into a relationship through a prayer that happened a long time ago, last week, a year ago, 10 years ago, or in my case, 46 years ago. Jesus is someone we look to every day of our life. Why? Because he's the one who created you. And whatever you're up against, you know who knows best for you? It's your creator. You want to know who knows best for you? It's the one who's watching the fallenness of this world and who has an eternal plan to redeem it all for his glory. You need Jesus. This gospel is intended to awaken faith in us. I want Jesus. It's, it's intended to sustain faith in us day by day, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we come to these three verses right here, it should blow our minds. There's not a single person in this room who should leave unmoved after looking at these three verses. Regardless of whether I said how I butchered the text or made it come to life, this word of God should blow our minds and we should be, unaffected, we should be affected by it. And I want to end this time with reading verses 1 through 3 in the context of verses 1 through 18. Because this is where we're going to be going in the, in the weeks ahead. Listen to all of what we're going to be looking at. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That's the word that all might believe through him. He was not the light, that is John, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. There we have it again. He's the creator. He was there in the beginning, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word, the one who was there in the beginning, who created all things, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this is he of whom I said he comes after me 
ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. Lord, it is our prayer that you would take these words and you would drive them deep deep into our heart. Lord, I pray that these words would be powerful to us, that we would not leave here unmoved today. Lord, I pray that the riches of these truths would bring us joy. I pray that if we've never chosen to follow Jesus, that we would make that decision today because of this good news, because this message is so incredible. And Lord, I pray for believers who are stagnant and who are struggling in their faith in you, that you would lift up their wings like eagles and that you would give them that strength, that you would deepen that hope because of these words Lord, we we praise you today. We magnify you today because of who you are. We give you all glory. We give you all praise. Help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.